Hey guys, real quick, before we get started, I have a small request. If you've been blessed by our content and you like this show, would you take just a brief moment and leave us a five-star review? This is quite possibly the most effective thing that you can do to ensure that this content gets out to as many people as possible. Thanks. Jesus said, man cannot live on bread alone, but from every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. You're listening to Daily Truth. Calvin espoused that there are three uses of the law. The first, this is the language I'm going to use. The principle is the same. The language may differ depending on who you're asking. Here's the language. Mirror, shield, compass. That's what I'm going to use. Mirror, shield, compass. First use of the law. Three uses of God's law. The first is mirror. The law serves as a mirror that the, the unbeliever looks into and says, whoa, this is what God demands because the law is a f- reflection of God's nature. So the law says this is who God is. It's not just what God requires. It's not an external standard from God. The law is who God is. God's standard, God is not God because he lives up to some universal standard outside of himself. God is the standard. So goodness is not, not, there's this universal absolute goodness and God is God because God lives up to goodness by this standard. No, we know goodness in relation to who God is because God is good. So God is the standard. God defines all these things. The law is a reflection of God's nature. And so in the first use of the law, it functions as a mirror that we look at the law. And by looking at the law, we see God by seeing what he requires, the, the righteousness that he requires. We see how righteous he is. And we get a good look back at ourselves as all mirrors do. So the mirror helps us to see this is who God is. Oh my goodness. And then I see myself and how far, far I fall short. And so the law does not save. The law is powerless to save. No one will be justified by works of the law. Romans 5. So the law is powerless to save, but the law is powerful to do what? To reveal your need for salvation. Right? No one will appreciate the beauty of Christ unless they first come to see the necessity for Christ. So the law helps us to realize we're dead. And we need to be made alive. The law helps us realize we are justly underneath God's righteous condemnation. And we require redemption and salvation. So the law is powerless to save. There's only one power of God for salvation. First for the Jew and then for the Greek. And what is that? Romans 1.16. The gospel. The gospel is the power of God for salvation. The law is the power of God for revealing our need for salvation. That's the first use of the law. Mirror. Skipping the second for a moment. The third use of the law, compass. The law is a lamp unto my feet, says the Psalms. The, the law is a guide. The law is, it, it, it is a tutor. It instructs me in the ways in which I must go. Now, the third use of the law primarily refers to the law's function for the believer, for the Christian. Now, for the Christian, we need the law. Why? To be justified? No, because we have been freely saved by grace. Again, the law is not saving The law is the alley-oop for the slam dunk of the gospel, which is saving, right? But you need the law. And so the third use of the law is, as a Christian, I'm not trying to obey God's law out of fear in order to garnish the favor of God. But as a Christian, because I know that I have already received the favor of God as a free gift of grace through faith in Jesus Christ, I now want to respond right? The response church. I'm not trying to initiate God's favor, but I'm responding because I've already freely received God's favor. And this response is a response of gratitude. So I want to be grateful for the free gift of salvation I've received. And so I'm saying, God, you've given me so much. I want to bless you. I want to please you. I want to live a life that is righteous. How can I bless your heart? You've given me so much. How can I please you? And God's response is obey my law. 
obey my law. Well, wait a second. That's legalism, brother. No, anything other than that is antinomianism and a heresy. That's not legalism. What makes it legalism is when you say obedience to the law justifies. And I'm not saying that, but obedience to the law, the law being relevant for all people in all time periods and Christians is just classical Orthodox Christianity. So the law, third use of the law, primarily for Christians, not to justify, but it is a compass. It guides us in which way we should go in order to live lives that are pleasing to God, not to garnish his favor, but as a response of gratitude, because we freely have already received his favor through faith in Christ Jesus. Okay. That's the third use of the law compass primarily for believers. First use of the law mirror revealing the need for Christ primarily for unbelievers. So unbelievers, first use believers, third use. The second is the middle believers and unbelievers alike. The second use of the law primarily falls underneath the banner of God's common grace, common grace. Again, not special grace or saving grace. God's regenerative work, his, his gift of faith and repentance that God gives to his children, to the elect. That's that's special grace, saving grace, Common grace is that God, Ecclesiastes, he calls it to reign both on the wicked and the righteous. So in common grace, this is what I want you to understand. In common grace, there's gifts, mutual gifts for all creatures, all humanity, both believers and unbelievers alike. And there are gifts of provision like rain, which waters the earth and produce crops to eat and to grow. So there's provision underneath God's common grace. There's also um, protection underneath God's common grace. In the realm of protection under God's common grace for believers and unbelievers alike, what do we have? Second use of the law. What is it? Shield. Mirror, compass, shield. The law functions to hold. It doesn't change hearts at the inward level. Only only the power of regeneration can do that. But you know what the law does? It keeps that evil, which is just as present in the unbeliever today as the Nephilim back then. It keeps it on the inside in the heart and it restrains it like a shield so that it doesn't come out. Meaning there would be more murder if there were not laws in a society, in a culture that punish murder, right? There, there would be more acts. Now, I'm not saying there would be more evil hearts, but I'm saying that evil at the heart level would be more externally manifest through behaviors. If we did not have God's common grace functioning as a protection, holding outward manifestations of evil at bay through the second use of the law. So all that being said, what's the difference between the unbeliever in the day of Noah and the unbeliever today at the heart level? No difference at all. Totally depraved. Every intention, every thought, evil, continue it only at the outward behavioral level. 900 to 1500 years of discipleship from guys like Cain and Lamech breeds a culture and a nation and legislation and justice and laws that, that no, the shield, the second use of the law has been eaten away. There's no restraint. And where there's no restraint in God's common grace, holding evil at bay, people run wild. Murder was praised. It was esteemed. Lamech is boasting. Imagine 900 years later from Lamech. What, what kind of songs they're writing, what, what kind of evil they're performing. And then God wipes them out. Our nation, the reason why at the outward level, we are not as evil as them is because our nation was founded on biblical principles. Now I'm aware that chattel slavery was a massive blind spot. So I'm not saying that that was biblical. I'm saying that is a massive example of where our nation was not biblical, where our nation was not consistent 
And I'm aware Thomas Jefferson ripping out verses in the Bible and those, I'm not, so I'm not saying the founding fathers that there were no heretics among them and I'm not uh, condoning slavery. But what I'm saying is even in our nation today with 60 million children murdered in the mother's womb in the last 45 years through abortion, even with that level of violence and wickedness, our nation is still toddlers in doing evil compared to the Nephilim. But what happens in a society is through compromise and primarily when the church loses its saltiness and says, well, we want to, well, how can we partner? Uh, right, right. I mean, maybe we could get behind this movement. Maybe we can hop behind this agenda. Maybe we can partner in this way. Maybe, maybe we can partner in that way. But little by little by little, what happens is the sons of God marry the daughters of men and the daughters of men poison the well. It doesn't work the other way. The way that the sons of God changes society is by remaining separate and distinct in the world, but distinct from the world, not of the world. But when we blend, what happens is as time goes on through legislation, through culture, through media, through all these kinds of things, the the shield of God's law that was founded on biblical principles is dissolved and it's eaten away more and more and more and more. And then that total depravity that's always been there at the heart level begins to come out in actions more and more and more. And then... God kills everyone. Thanks so much for listening. But real quick, before you go, do us a small favor, take a moment, and leave us a five-star review if you enjoyed the show. This is undoubtedly the best way that you can help us get this biblically faithful content to as many people as possible. Thanks so much.